Hey, I am Buff, and I am Steal the Stuff, and I'm here to tell you I'm going to be picking it out with my good friend, Andrew Pope. Picking it out with Andrew Pope and Buff Bagwell. Check it out. Well, it's another podcast. Just called Picking It Out. It's another podcast, y'all. Gonna be picking it out. Yeah, we got Marcus Buff Bagwell in the house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and we're gonna be picking it out. Dude, I love that. <laughs> That's cool as shit. Everybody, everybody has liked that. That's oh, dude, I think it's incredible. It's different. Yeah, I was telling somebody, man, uh, one time, like, you know, everybody's got these these uh, theme songs for all their podcasts and stuff. I kind of right. just like doing that, you know, and people oh, seem I, to, I think it's so cool. People seem to like it. Anyway, I think that's really cool. It's it's original. It's cool, and it's different. That's right. So, anytime you can find something cool, original, and different in any business, you're doing something good. I agree completely. Well, appreciate y'all tuning in once again to picking it out. My name's Andrew Pope. Uh, we got a legend in the old wrestling business with us here today. <laughs> Man, he's been a uh, key member, really, of the NWO. That's where I kind of really, really got to thinking this guy was so cool when I was like a teenager, not to make him feel old or nothing. No, uh, good. <laughs> hey, you got to be old. You got to you got to feel old to be old. I don't feel old yet. At least I don't feel old yet. <laughs> there you go, man. You've been through so much shit. I don't see it. Uh, that's I don't amazing. Know, dude. It's amazing. It is. It's absolutely amazing. I mean, the big man should took me a long time ago and he's keeping me around for something. So I'm trying to hang in there to find out what he wants me to do, but he's, he's got, he's got other plans, bro. Yeah. He's got different plans that I'm not aware of. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe that's a good thing, man. I think it's a great thing. So we got old buff daddy, buff Blackwell here with us. How you doing, brother? Doing good. Yeah, I've been doing great. We had, had a real we had a busy day yesterday. We went to um, uh, Trustville, Alabama yesterday. Oh yeah, we had a, a signing there, and um, it was real good. It was um, um, it was sold out. A real big thing, but it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a wrestling a wrestling deal. It was more of a sports sports card thing but still we did really really good there i mean i was the only wrestler there and um the guy just was a huge buff bagel fan and i was glad to to have done it because the other the other guy i had to do was going to interfere with another booking of mine that didn't want the guy to feel that way about it was one of those things where i was going to come in a week before and it was going to hurt his um booking the week after 
And so I didn't want to do that. So just either sit at home, make nothing, or go make go make, you know, you know, a couple thousand dollars somewhere and then and sign some autographs and meet some fans. So that's what we did. We had a good time and we had a good blast and two two hour drive and not bad and so we had a good time. Awesome. We played uh old Trustful a few times down there. Have you? Yeah, none of the bars are probably even there anymore that we did. <laughs> uh yeah, there's good. It, Alabama's like a uh, a big wrestling community, really. Oh, dude, Alabama is huge. I mean, wrestling wise, I mean, it's just it always has been. I mean, you know, we got to be. Um, we finally, as as Nitro um, WCW, we got to be, you know, at the Birmingham Civic Center, and that was like you know, off the chart, you know, it was like, oh my God, we finally made it to the Birmingham Civic Center, you know. Um, it was kind of like making it to the Georgia Dome or Phillips Arena or something like that. But, you know, we were always doing those little small city, little small towns, little small venues in in Birmingham. But we finally got to go to the big one. And and when we started doing that, we just started killing it. Yeah. And Birmingham, Birmingham's a huge wrestling Alabama, period, is a huge wrestling state. Oh yeah, I get most of my most of my bookings come from Alabama. A lot really? of my bookings come from Alabama. So wow, it, yeah, that makes it really good. Well, I'm so glad, man, that you're doing really good right now. And uh, you know, like I told you on the phone, I, I'm I'm a huge supporter in anybody that can overcome something that takes control of their life in any way. Dude, and, uh, I can't, I mean, bro, it was, you know, if, if, if I, if we had time to talk, you know, the whole story, but the long story short is just, you know, just a, just a long story short is just, you know, doctors don't tell you, Hey, here you go. Here's your medicine. And here's what can happen. They don't say that. They say, you know, hey, here's your medicine, and you broke your neck. You're hurt, and you need this medicine. And next thing you know, you know, three goes to six, six goes to nine, nine goes to 12, and 12 goes to 15, and 15 goes to 18. And then it's just like, what what am I even doing? What what is it even for? And I got a hold of that on my own. Um, And then – but then – I just had just a little bit still. I was just down a little bit, and things weren't going right. So I bet I, I, I contacted the WWE to which they have every. I can't say their names because I get in trouble when I do. Every time I do, I get in trouble. Yeah, but I mean, just countless friends of mine that have done um, the WWE. You know. Um, you know uh, where they go in and go 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 to rehab, and yeah. WWE pays for it. Right. I've gotten ten thousand, without exaggeration, a thousand letters to go to rehab from the WWE. And the time I didn't need it, didn't want it, didn't didn't need it. What didn't? It wasn't one of those things where I didn't think I needed it. I really didn't need it. I was fine. Yeah. And then uh, over the past little while, I, I gotten loose again. 
and gotten down with this, this car wreck with my knee and kind of gotten depressed. And uh, so I contacted them and they turned me down, bro. I was like, and Dallas Page was so mad. He was so furious because do you realize I am the only wrestler in the history of time. And that's not a good sentence to start off with, period. <laughs> but I'm the only wrestler in the history of time to be turned down to the WWE for to go to rehab mm. when you contacted them. The only wrestler ever. At first, their story to Dallas was because I tried to sue them. <clears throat> well, then Dallas found out that almost 80% of the guys that went to rehab had tried to sue them also. Oh. And so Dallas was like, wait a minute. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Well, at the same time, so I said, screw it. I said, you know what? I'm a big boy. I said, um, I can, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix myself, you know? So I started a podcast called Rebuilding Buff. And then... When I started that, Dallas came up with uh, a show he was shooting called Change or Die. And it just fit right into what I was doing. Of I wouldn't say my, my situation was change or die, but it was, it, was, it was in the realm of that. It was in the realm of, look, change or eventually you're going to die. You know, eventually you're going to, you know, it's going to not be good. So um, I jumped on board to that, and it just went great. And um, everybody was real big supporters, and and just really, I found out really who my true fans really were, and they just really just backed me up, and really just um, uh, was behind me all the way with it. And every time I went to any show, it was you know people talking about you know thanking me and, and and just proud of me and they're praying for me and I was just like what the heck is going on and I, I didn't think it was that big a deal and then but then I saw what a big deal it was to the fans and then that's when I cared because I do care about the fans tremendously I am a really really big 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 people person and I'm a big, big fan person because without the fans, there is no Buff Bagwell. There is no, there is no, um, you know, Stone Cold. There is no Rock. Yeah. There, is, there just isn't without the fans. There just is not. There's not. And so I'm a big fan uh, believer. And so I just, I, I mean, I bet you, I mean, I know for a fact, I've never turned down an autograph in my entire life. I've never said no to anybody in the world that's asked me for an autograph in my entire life. And Dallas is the same way. And that's why me and Dallas always hit it off because we both had that same kind of mentality of, you know, really caring about the fans because they cared about us. Yeah. And so um, that really uh, hit us off. And he always has been on my, on my side. And, and, you know, when Dallas was nobody, and everybody was against him on, you know, making it in the business. And and he was just too old. And here I was, rookie of the year. And, and you know, and, and, and he just, we just, we just always clicked. And so he always, always stood up for me, always stood up for me. 
And um, we just always took up for each other, and we always became great friends. And and so we did this deal together, and we've uh, we've uh, got this thing going now. It's called Change Your Diet, like I said, and we're almost done taping it. But we're going to have a second season, hopefully, and it uh, looks like we are. And um, and so everything seems to be doing really well. That's awesome. You know, I've gotten to know Dallas a little bit over the past few years. Uh, I actually got to come to the uh, performance center and do like a little one-on-one session with him. He has it on video. Oh, that's cool. And I'm like fat, overweight, out of shape. So I would love to see it just for my own entertainment because they come in there and like try to give you a little interview. Like, so how do you feel? Like right after it's over, just come in there with the camera. (laughs) And I know I could even barely talk, man. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but man, he is—it's—he's like a rare type of human. I feel like, man, because dude, he's—he's he's different breed, bro. He's different breed. I mean, he is legitimately a hundred percent, just like his book is titled. He is just positively unstoppable, and yeah. that is—if I could be justified as either one of those words not both i would be thrilled to death but he is positively unstoppable and that's how he really takes life and that's how he really is if if it's something that's negative it is instantly cast away it is not talked about and it's just not it's just not in the subject and so that's a big deal to me. And Dallas always was like that. And I just always loved him for being like that. And so many guys are against that kind of thing. You know, that, you know, he kind of, you know, you know, he was like one, like, like, like a chameleon kind of, he was one, you know, he could just, he could just adapt and overcome. And he did. And uh, like I said, I, I told him one day at his house, and his million dollar mansion he lives in, which is gorgeous. Yeah. He says, um, he goes, I said, do you realize that you made it in something twice that everybody in the world thought you were crazy to do? And it, and I could tell by his answer, he didn't. He went like, no, I didn't. I hadn't really thought about that. I said, dude, I watched Lex sitting right beside him make fun of you in kind of a ha-ha way. He went like, you know, we were all friends. Yeah. But still, Dallas would come out with his mat by the ring and do his yoga stuff. And, and Lex is like, what are you doing? Are you kidding me? You know. <laughs> and so it was kind of funny. and Everybody kind of laughed about it. But really... It was kind of ha ha, but not really ha ha, you know. And yeah. and and um, and Dallas just again overcame it to become a, a multi million over it. And same with wrestling, you know. He was you know too old, and you know he wasn't going to make it in wrestling. And next thing you know, he's believe it or not, he was up for Rookie of the Year the same year I won it. He was, he, he was against me for Rookie of the Year. Wow. As he's, as he's uh, 13, 14 years older than me. So yeah. here's a guy 13 or 14 years older than me that's, that's up for Rookie of the Year against me. And it was him, me, and Eric Watts. 
Mm. And that's that's the people, that's the three people that were up for the rookie of the year. And um, and then th- I was like, God, please let me win this. Don't let if, if it's I'm out. I love Dallas to death, but if the older guy beats me, then that will <laughs> put me out. You know, uh, yeah. I gotta win. I gotta win this thing, man. You know. <laughs> so thank God I did win the rookie of the year, and and that was uh, that kind of took off my career. You know. Yeah. Dallas is a Dallas is special people, man. He's special. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. What he's done for for Jake. And and Scott uh, Hall, he gave Scott Hall. I, t- I texted him whenever, you know, Scott passed. I said, "Dude, uh, I'm sorry to hear about his passing, but thank you for giving him the last few years, probably the best of his life." And and to be honest with you, me and Dallas added it up. It's it's about ten. Um, yeah. He give he gives Scott Hall ten extra years of his life. Absolutely. Uh, and he gave he gave Jake eight years now of sobriety mm. so that is i mean so a guy that was i mean so screwed up and i remember i remember when a guy that screwed up sees another guy that screwed up and goes oh my god that guy screwed up yeah you know that other guy is really screwed up and because you're 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 already speaking from that part you know that from that point Right. And like he, he walked up to me one time and he had Coke all over his face, just all over his face. And TNA was at this show and I'm thinking, oh, my God, stay away from Jake because, you know, it's going to be just you're going to get the heat for this. You're going to get the heat for all of this somehow or another. It'll be your fault. And so he walked up to me and goes, hey, Bagwell. He had two things of vodka with him, two handles, those handles, the big vodka things. And he goes, with Coke all over his face, and he goes, Bagwell. He goes, am I good? Am I good? It was all over him. And I went, I looked at him, and I went, you're good. You're good. And, and we just busted out laughing and everything, you know. Mm. But it, he, he was just he was just a mess. And God, just such a such a great, great, great guy, dude. Jake the Snake Roberts is one of the coolest dudes on the face of this planet. So for Dallas to save his life and to really turn around and for their their bonding to go take place the way it has and and Scott getting 10 extra years of his life, because he would have been gone. He'd have been gone, bro. Yeah. Um if, if Dallas wouldn't have stepped in. And um, and to give to give Scott ten extra years, I think that was just phenomenal. And this shows you what kind of guy Dallas is. He's just a, he's a special guy, man. Yeah, for sure. Oh, uh, I'm real excited about seeing this show. Um, yeah, I don't know if you give any details on if it's come, what how it's going to come out or on the app or like on a. You know, with with editing, you just don't know what. I mean, I can talk about it, but it just. It's not like I can't talk about it because they want us to talk. They want us to talk about it. It's sure. just, it's just editing wise. I don't know. I may say something, and that may not even make yeah, the film. Yeah, you know. But I mean, like within the first week, me and Butterbean almost get the fist fight, <laughs> <laughs> and then they're showing an American Male video, and I didn't ask to put the American Bell video in. Yeah. I didn't say, "Hey, put that American Bell video in." And it's a really it happens to be a really cool video. 
It's one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life. It was just one of those videos that turned out really good and was really, really done well. It was done right. And they had it on and the girls were looking at it and the guys were the camera crew and they're all like, Oh man, that's so cool. That's so, that's so, that's, that's kick ass. That's cool. And Butterbean goes, uh, you, you look gay to me in it. <laughs> and I said, what'd you say, fat ass? <laughs> and he goes, so he didn't say that in the back. I thought, wow. So I thought he was supposed to be kind of a, a badass, you know? And uh, a few minutes later, he calls Steve over, Steve Yu, which is our production guy and he, our, our head producer. And he calls him over and he goes, hey, if Bag, if, he's five feet away from me. And he goes, if Bagwell calls me a fat ass one more time, I'm going to get up and beat his brains out. Mm. And I said, what'd you say, fat ass? Mm. And so then he starts to get up. Come, keep in mind, he's in bad shape, too. He's got a hip and he's replaced and he's beat up. And he's, we're all working together as, with all of our problems. And and he's coming, he, he starts coming at me. And one guy gets in front of him, about a, a guy about a buck fifty, and he goes, uh, "I go, wow, a guy one hundred and fifty pounds stops Butterbean." I, I, you know, you know me, I, I can't let it go. I'm stirring the pot, you know, of course. And then he goes, "So here he come again," and I already he didn't know it. He didn't know it, but you know, when you're a when you're any form of a badass of any sort. When you've knocked somebody out or you've done anything that's, you know, accountable of being a tough guy, um, I'd already mapped out how I was going to swing my crutch, was it going to clear the couch, um, could, and how I was going to hit him. I mean, I'd already had, you know, like terminated, like, I'd planned it. And so I was ready for it, you know. Now, don't get me wrong. If he got past the crutch, I was going to be in trouble. Yeah. But I, you don't, you don't think about that kind of stuff then. Yeah. But so that, that was in the, that was in the very first week. Then, then we ended up fist pumping and Hey, we're cool. We were cool the rest of the time. Butterbean's a great guy. And then, um, um, and then me and the girls had a couple run-ins, um, over. <sighs> They're there for diet. They're there for, you know, trying to go over their diet and stuff. And, and I was upset with them complaining about all the meals. I was eating, I was eating everything, wasn't even there to lose weight and lost 40 pounds in three weeks. Oh, wow. I went from 270 to 230 in three weeks. Mm. So, um, and it was healthy and felt great and looked great. It was healthy looking and felt healthy and felt great and doing the program and all of that. But I mean, they just, um, I don't know that it's had always something to say negative. Yeah. And I was just like, guys, this ain't going to be easy. I mean, yeah. you didn't put that weight on overnight. Right. So it's not like it's going to be something that you're going to take off overnight, you know? Mm-hmm. But I didn't say that. I just let it go. And then I did a podcast a few weeks ago that I kind of just put everybody on full blast, mm. <laughs> and like I do. And it pissed, <laughs> it pissed, a couple of, it pissed them off a little bit. But um, um, 
at the same time, I, I hadn't said anything that wasn't true. Yeah. So it was more like, are you, are you really backstabbing us? Or are you being for real with us? You know, and and I, and I am being for real. I'm, I don't I don't I'm never fake for anybody. I'm always straight up. And so Dallas knows that and Dallas saw that. And uh, so I was real, I really worked hard to get along with everybody. And, and, but it's, it's just boils down to, it's just really hard to get along with somebody and live with them. And um, if you can do that, and that's the idea they were wanting to do is to not just, not just like change your life, change your mind, change what it takes to, to get up and help somebody with some dishes, you know, change your thought pattern on how you feel about people that you don't really know. And so it was more like change like that or die. And I mean, down to, there was a, I mean, there's a couple of cases that were change or die. Yeah. Like we had, we had a kid, we had a kid in there that was 22 years old. It was 500, 520 pounds. And, you know, and, and couldn't, didn't know how to tie his shoes. And so, I mean, that's, that's a horrible, horrible, and hey, and is the nicest, nicest, coolest guy on the planet, but just the wrong upbringing, the wrong family, and um, they did him wrong and um, kind of put food in front of his face to keep him out of their way. Yeah. And um, I mean, he just, but he, but he was really, really cool and he listened to all of our uh, comments and just became a really great guy and to the point where, you know, Dallas is, Dallas is giving him a job. I mean, he's going to be working for Dallas and he's like, he's really good on computers. He's very good on computers. So Dallas is going to bring him in on, you know, be, he's going to be part of the, you know, DDPY, you know, editing team. Right. So uh, that's just the kind of guy, again, that's the kind of guy Dallas is. If you show him the hard work, he'll, 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 he'll give you something in return. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah, for sure. He's uh one of the most positive people I've ever been around or got to know. It's unbelievable. It's, it really is. It's unbelievable how yeah. positive he is. Yeah. He's, he's a great, great guy. Dude. He really is. I hope the show, whenever it is edited and it comes out, I hope it's a huge hit for everybody. Uh, it sounds oh, so like it's going to be man. And you know, couldn't be happier for so you. I. Uh, and you know, I know that, uh, I think Missy Hyatt was like one of the first people to kind of give you, uh, or get you into the wrestling business. Am I right about that? Uh, you're dead right. Not one of, she was the The only one. She was the it. She was Missy Hyatt. I had... Believe it or not, I had got into um, being a massage therapist. My parents, my parents were in the lumber business, and we were filthy, filthy. I mean, like a million dollar a month rich. Oh wow! Uh, business. I mean, that's a lot of money. And and that was in Atlanta or outside of that Atlanta. Was in Atlanta in the seventies and eighties, and um, and my mom was running the company. Here's a female running a lumber company with 200 plus men employees, you know, and how many truck drivers are, are women? None. Yeah. So all men, all men industry. And here's a woman running the lumber company. 
And my dad was the brains behind that because he knew how much lumber to buy. And that's the secret on the whether you, you know, become victorious or not. Mm-hmm. But she was there, you know, doing the slave driving, the, 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 you know, making it work, making it go, making it tick. Yeah. And, and she was just a great boss. And, um, but my mom was a great, great woman during her life. And she was just, just very strong. And, um, all the boys got to know her because of wrestling and they all loved her to death and everything. But, uh, yeah. So when dad started going broke, it was my senior year. It was 88, 1988. And we were like, I was like, God, he's like, look guys, I've got, I got enough money to get you guys into something. You know, what do you want? What do you want to do? What, what the hell do you want to do at 18? How do you know? Mm, I'm 18 years old, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, so it goes to Steve, my brother, Steve, and he wants, he wants to be, he wants a gym. So he opens up a gym. Cause we were always, we were workout, we were workout guys and all that. Mm-hmm. And my brothers and my, 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 my father was, we were all big workout people. And, um, so my brother, my dad gave him the money for opening a gym up and he called it muscle connection. It was a real cool gym, real great gym. And my other, my middle brother, he wanted to do drywall and my dad bought him a big boom truck and got everything all set up and everything. I was the baby and I was like, I don't know what I want to do, dad. I said, shit, man, I'm 18 years old. I don't really know what I want to do. Yeah. He said, well, they have some thought and thought and thought. And finally I came up with massage therapy. <laughs> because different. I thought, I thought, well, here's why here was, here was the, this was my thinking. My thinking was two things. I was a huge sports freak. I now was all County, all state football and baseball all four years of my career at that February. Mm. I was all county, I'll say all four years. And so, but my grade point average was horrible because I didn't care about grades because I knew where I was going to work. I was going to work for my, my family. Yeah. And so I didn't really care about grades. And uh, so I said, I said, you know what? I can get into, I can get into massage therapy. I said, I can do like sports therapy, you know, you know, you know, sports therapy, getting maybe a sports trainer of a, of a, of a football or baseball team or something, you know, and continue loving sports through being a trainer or something, you know? Yeah. That was a little bit of the thought pattern. And also the thought pattern of, you know, here's a Southern well-mannered, extremely well-mannered kid that was in shape could help women men, women and men with their diets and i just thought it was just a complete no-brainer and it was an absolute disaster <laughs> <laughs> i graduated number one in my class mm. number one number one in my massage therapy class now that means how good you are with your technique. That means how good you are. Keep in mind, it's hard to have a woman walk in your room and you explain how she's going to get her clothes off and get in this bed. And you're going to step out for a few minutes and come back in. That's, that's a pretty tough transition. <laughs> well, I was very, I was very good at that because I was just 
a very honest, open guy. And uh, so I was very good at all that. So that's why I graduated number one in my class, I think, because I was just very good at making people feel comfortable. Yeah. But, bro, when I got out there and did the world of pro, uh, massage therapy, it was <laughs> women would walk in and they would see me and they would instantly go and just turn around and walk out. <laughs> and I go, wait a minute, where are you going? Where are you going? And they go like, there is no way I'm letting you massage me. <laughs> and I'm like, well, tell me. I saw we keep in mind we've been it costs ten thousand dollars to get this done. It's not it's not cheap to become a massage service. It's, it's cost it costs ten grand. Mm. And I was like, look, tell me what's the deal? What was what's wrong? And they were our I heard from my husband would kill me to I may have some fat on my back. So basically it was insecurity stuff that the women. So basically because of my looks, I thought would go for me and help me um, through the transition of and keep in mind outside of that room, you still have women go. Oh my God, if you'd have been my massage therapist, I'd have been all over it. That's what they say. But when it comes down to the point of you doing that and getting in that room with your clothes off, you know, it, it does become a little bit iffy. Yeah. And and so it just it just kind of backfired on me, even though I was making a hell of a I was making a good money at it, but I wasn't making a career out of it. Right. During that time, the point of me telling that story, I'm at the pool one day trying to figure out what the hell I'm going to do with my life. And I see this blonde hair, big boob, beautiful chick across the pool. And, we're, and we lived in the, the number one apartments. It was called Poplar Place Apartments. And they were like the number one in Kennesaw. They were like the coolest apartments in, you know, in Kennesaw. And um, so we live there and you know, we're driving a Corvette and a Jeep and we're rolling and we're doing well and everything. And, and uh, but, you know, really we're not doing well in what we're, what we're wanting to do well in. We're just doing well with money and life. Yeah. Um, and so she was like, won't you be so that night? So anyway, I can't hear them across the pool. I can just see them and they're kind of eyeballing me and stuff. Well, I come back from the pool that day and Missy is moving in directly across the hall from me. I mean, directly. I remember, don't ask me how I've got all the wrestlers will tell you. I got a freaky, freaky memory. Our room, our apartment was 1504 and hers was 1505. I've got no idea how I remember that, but yeah. bro, that is a hundred percent the facts. So I come back here, she's moving in, and me just being young and naive, I'm thinking, huh, that's weird that she's moving in right next door to me. That's kind of strange, you know. Well, little did I know, it was all a big plan. She had went to the the. The, the 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 person that was showing her around, the agent, and said, "Move me in wherever that guy lives." And the agent didn't know I was married. 
And so she moves in next door to me, right across the hall. And I, I come back like, hey, what's going on? Thinking, that's kind of weird, you know? And that night, not, not knock on the door, is Missy Hyatt. And I don't know Missy Hyatt from TV. I don't know Missy Hyatt from wrestling. I've got no earthly idea who she is. And except she was a blonde and she was good looking. And, um, but I had, a, I had a blonde wife that was good looking too, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> and so, um, but so she walks in, she goes, I've got, she's a star as Missy is super cool, super cool, super honest, super truthful, super, super, super chick, Missy is. And she said, Hey, she goes, um, I got to tell this story. She goes, Today I saw your husband at the at the uh, pool. She said, and I told the agent, I said, move me in next door to wherever that guy out there lives. So she did. And then once she found out the story, she told she came in and she told us through. She goes, she goes, but putting all joking aside, she goes, You're crazy not to get into pro wrestling. You just got the look, you got the voice, you got the I can tell you got the charisma, you you got the swag, you know, you should definitely look into doing that, you know? And so I was like, I said, Oh God, Missy. I said, those guys don't make no money. And she goes, our lowest paid guy makes a hundred thousand a year. So I was like, so let's, let's talk about that a little more. What <laughs> tell, tell me that again. Now. Yeah. So, yeah, so I didn't know they made that kind of money, you know. I just didn't know it. And uh, so I go get trained, and um, it was very hard. It was really hard. It, was, it, took, it took me about a year to make it. And a year is really not that long in this business to make it because it's very hard to make it in this business. But it, it, it's a year of every single day you're going to be a pro wrestler. Um, it is a long time. And that's how I had it. My wife supported us and allowed me to go after my dreams, you know, and, yeah. and make it through, you know, make it to wrestling. And, you know, of course, you know, when, when I, when I made it, she was like, I knew, I knew you had it in you. I knew you had it in you. I go, that ain't what you said. <laughs> you dog me you 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 the whole time. <laughs> so, but, you know, long story short, I made it. And, you know, everything we did paid off. And it worked out great and turned out great. And, um, you know, 33 years later, I'm still doing it, you know. So it just, uh, it's a, it, was a, it turned out to be a great career and a great move. And um, it worked out great. But Missy, without Missy's knowledge, of telling me everything she taught me, I never ever would have made it. I would have walked out and quit several times um, because I would not have put up with what I knew, what what with what she told me I was going to have to put up with. Yeah, I never would. I never would have done it or would have had the patience for it. But when she told me what was coming, mm -hmm. then it was kind of like a joke because mm -hmm. these guys don't realize they call heat. They call heat in Marietta what we call jealousy. Mm -hmm. Well, I'd already been through that. My parents were rich. We were good looking. We were rich. And we were super athletes. That's heat. Yeah. And I'm driving a, a red Corvette 
playing Little Red Corvette by Prince in the car. In the car. Yeah. That's heat. Yeah. So I already knew what heat was. Mm-hmm. It's just we called it jealousy. And so I was somewhat prepared for the business in that aspect. And uh, so I was kind of ready for it. But Missy was really a huge part of me making it and sticking with it. So who trained you for that year? Steve, the brawler lawler. Mm. He passed away this past year. His name was Daryl Gower. And, but he looked kind of looked like, uh, like one of the lawler. It looked like Jerry Lawler a little bit. So I think he, he rode, he rode the, rode the coattails on that a little bit and called himself, uh, um, Steve, the brawler lawler was his name. And he was a, he was a legit badass and, and but that's who trained me. That's actually who trained me uh, to become a wrestler. So you didn't really grow up watching watching it. No, there's two different kind of wrestlers. There's the kind of wrestlers that dressed up Halloween like their favorite wrestler. There was the kind of wrestlers that you know that um, you know would would go around and wrestle for free and and just be weekend warrior wrestlers. I was there to make money. Mm-hmm. I got in this business to make money. And there's, and, and believe me, there's several different, there's several different those guys. And like Lex was the kind of guy that didn't get in this business because he loved pro wrestling. He got into it to make money. Sting didn't get in this business because he loved pro wrestling. He got in to make money. And there's no difference or no bad with the good. It's just the way it is. Yeah. And uh, these guys, um, there's just there's just different kinds. Now the ones that are the dress up Halloween and follow around, um, you know, different you know you know groups and wrestle for free and stuff like that. There, there is a you know. Um, a little bit of an attitude situation with it where they think that we're too good. And well, we are only in it because our bodies looks, our, our bodies look good. We don't know how to wrestle, which is just a bunch of bull crap. It's just, it's just, and there's just egos and, and, you know, just, just everybody just being politics and egos. So oh, yeah. just cause I look good. Don't mean I was a bad wrestler. So. Yeah. And do the blockbuster. Yeah, fun with it though. We had a lot of fun with it, and um, I got into the business. And don't get me wrong, you do learn yeah. to respect the business, sure. Even though, no matter how you get into it, because yeah. it is a business you got to learn to respect, or because it's a very, very, very respectful business. Because it's very hard to do. It's very hard to do, and to stay on top for yeah. a long time. It's very hard. So you end up respecting it tremendously, right? Yeah, dude, the blockbuster is one of my favorite of all time. I mean, that's so oh. cool. It, from every camera angle, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, it was just so cool. It was so cool looking, and you nailed it every time. I don't know of a time where you did The way I would hit land and come up, uh, yeah. feet, you know, it, yeah. it, it just worked. I don't know how we, me and Scotty Reyes came up with that. All and right. that came from uh, Rick Rude's Rude Awakening, the Makes neck breaker. Sense. Yeah. But I wanted to do it where it was like, you know, make it a little different. So I came off the ropes with it. Yeah. You know, and uh, now you see guys at the WWE doing it, WWE doing it. 
and they do it for high spots. Yeah. Um, but still, it's cool to see them do that. You know, um, they're not about to call it the Bub Blockbuster. Right. But they, I've heard them call it the Blockbuster, and that's cool. Um, but um, uh, it's just a, it's just a really tough business to get over in, like the Top Hat. You know, I mean, when I brought the Top Hat in, it got made fun of. You know, and then now it's on action figures. You know, okay. so. You know, it's just uh, it's just a very hard business to leave what I call a dent in. To make a dent in this business is very hard to do, and if you can do that, then you've done it. You've done you've done a hell of a job. Oh, you did it, man! You did it. You made a dent. Yep, I did. I made a dent. Oh, uh, and to come back from the neck, I, here's, I, here's here's some of my dents right here. There you go. <laughs> What's the what's the one on the top right up there, the behind your head or to the left of you? Here, the other side, here. right there. Yeah, that's the that was when I was the handsome stranger. Do you know that one? Uh, in the GWF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was handsome stranger there. That's handsome stranger there. That's cool. That's when I wore the little black mask and all that. And then there's, um, what is it on right there? Oh, that's just a picture of me there. And then there's. Um, a couple of the pictures here, but I got all my action figures on the wall too. And that was when I was in the movie Pay It Forward. Okay. Um, if you look right here, you can see she's Helen Hunt is right beside talking to her kid. And every time she talked to her kid by the light switch, um, the Buff Bag Wolf banner. Uh, Pennant was right beside her. Oh, really? So, uh, yeah, that's and cool. So I got I got ten grand for that, dude. <laughs> wow! Just because my 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 my, they said, "Hey, do you want me ten grand?" I said, "Yeah." And they said, "Well, just sign right here." I said, "For what?" And they told me, "I go okay." So all I do is sign this piece of paper to allow them to use my likeness. Yeah, and I got ten grand for to be in the movie. Pay it forward. Shit, can't beat that. No, cannot like, beat that. Oh. I said, "Okie dokie." Uh, what year was it when you came into when you got hired in the WCW? Was it 91? 90, 91. And would that have been Jim Hurd? No, he was. I met him. I met him, but he was leaving about the same time. Okay. So that was about the change where Hurd was selling it to Turner. Mm-hmm. And the Crockett's were all selling it to Turner, and the Crockett's their deal with Turner was they were allowed to have a spot in the business and the company. So, like Jackie Crockett was a camera guy. Yeah. Um, another Crockett was uh, was an office guy. So the whole Crockett family out of it, they got jobs by yeah. by selling it off to Ted Turner. And they were super great guys. We loved them to death. They were cool, and Jackie was cool. And and I was always talking to the camera, and Jackie always would find me to to me to talk to the camera. So he loved it, you know. And um, but those guys were great. They're great guys. We had a lot of fun with them. So Eric came in not long after you came in, I guess, right? No, not long at all. He was. Uh, let's see. I'm take exactly. Uh, we had a guy named Kip Fry that signed my first contract. 
And after that was, well, Dusty hired me. Dusty hired me, but Kip Fry did the, the, did the um, contract. Mm-hmm. So it was Dusty. Was the bosses that I worked on? It was Dusty, and then Kevin Sullivan. And you know, I take it back. It was a little bit. It was a little bit of time. I mean, it was a little bit of time because it was Dusty, Kevin Sullivan, Cowboy Bill Watts, and then Eric. Oh yeah, after Bill Watts, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So I survived five bosses there, <laughs> and I never. And I never would have survived Cowboy uh, Bill Watts, except me and Eric were best friends. Yeah. So I survived that one through pure luck of us being good friends. So because Cowboy Bill Watts was like a man's man and, you know, Dr. Death, Steve Williams and those kind of badasses were who he believed in pro wrestling. And, you know, here's this pretty boy with his goatee cut just right. And, that wasn't what Bill Watts was about, you know. He wasn't about that, you know. And and um, he was about you know your tough ass, badass, you know, you know, you know wrestlers, you know. Yeah. And like like Terry Gordy and Bam Bam Bigelow and you know One Man Gang and Doctor oh, yeah. Death Steve Williams and you know just super badasses. And, you know, here we come in as, you know, pretty boy prima donnas, and that just wasn't quite what Cowboy Bill Watts was looking for. And what a time back then to be a it fan, was. you know. I mean, especially like from mid-90s when all that started, when Nitro started, man, it was oh. unbelievable. It had, for y'all that was there and a part of that, it had to yeah. just be just unbelievable. Oh, dude! I, listen to this. This is something. This is something that nobody knows. Me and Scotty Riggs, as the American Males, we were the dark match of the very first Nitro. Oh, really? So, so theoretically, me and Scotty Riggs at the Mall of America in Minnesota, at the Mall of America in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Me and Scotty Riggs were actually first. the very first match of Nitro. Now it was dark, so the Pillman dark. and Jesus Thunder Liger yeah. were the very first match. Yeah. But still, it's pretty cool to know that you were at least we, we knew by being dark. When you go dark, you know you're you're next in line to be the, right. the stars. That makes and, sense. And uh, so we knew we were getting ready to be getting pushed, you know. Man, it was it was uh God, it was a hell of a time. I mean, I uh, I just I was such a fan, you know. Speaking from I was I was a WWF fan of the cartoon stuff when I was a kid. Oh, so was I. And then the NWO stuff, man, when that started, I got hooked all over again in a whole new way. And it brought oh, me so back I. and I was like hardcore WCW every Monday night. Yeah. Every pay-per-view. Hell, I watched Saturday night on TBS when it was just, you know, there was no stories or anything. <laughs> 605, baby. That's right. 505 for me here in Alabama. Yeah, 605 and 505 Central. Oh, man, it was such a good time to 
Just, it was. Eric, I, Eric don't get enough credit. You agree with that? No, I totally agree with it. But, you know, he gets a lot of heat. Yeah. He gets a lot of heat. And Eric did nothing but just, I thought, did everything great. Yeah. Eric Bischoff did everything fantastic and always did everything he said he was going to do uh, with, uh, you know, with uh, professionalism and being our boss. And uh, don't get me wrong, he was a hard ass. Yeah, uh, but you got to be a hard ass be, running yeah. a bunch of a bunch of you know egotistical maniacs, exactly. you know, in, in one locker room. You know that who's the biggest, who's the baddest, who's the toughest, who's the best looking, who's got the best abs. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just it was a bunch of egotistical maniacs. Yeah, and he's having to be the boss of all those guys. I mean, I get it, you know. But uh, Eric, I thought did it well and did everything great. So I love Eric Bischoff. Yeah, and I feel like he's never changed, you know. Like yeah. he, he back then, it was you know, of course, he was busy with talent and running the company pretty much. But he still would want to sit down and have a beer with somebody, or if he had like if there was some crosswords or something. Man, he he's going to be a man, and he's going to come and confront you about it. You know, he's not just yes. going to go hide. He had a deal. He had a deal. I never saw him do this. Thank God. I, I wasn't everyone pushing this far, but he had a deal where if he ever had words with you and it was getting ready to be blows, he'd take his tooth out and take his tooth out and be like, you know, like to show that, in other words, he'd been there and done that kind of thing. And, you know, hey, come on, you know, <laughs> but hold on, but hold on, man, let me take my tooth out before we do this. Mm. And he'd take his tooth out because he had a tooth that was like not, not in, they that knocked out in a fight or something. Wow. And so, like he did that with Davy Boy Smith, who was a, was a definite one was one guy. But he took his tooth out and would be like, you know, come on, bro, bring it on, you know, because Eric was a badass. Eric could fight you. He didn't care. Yeah, I never heard that. Yeah, that's a true story. Wow. You know, who, did they come to you? Who came to you first about being a part of the NWO when it started getting Kevin, hot? Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash came to me. Me and Kevin were good friends because we both lived in Atlanta. He was the big bouncer in Atlanta. He was like the, he was kind of like Patrick Swayze in Atlanta. Um, mm-hmm. He was kind of the cooler of all the of all the, of all the clubs. Every new hot club that opened, um, he was always the bouncer. I mean, here he was, you know, seven foot tall, three fifty of muscle. And he would always be the, the lead, you know, bouncer. And, um, but his main job was at the Cheetah. He kept the Cheetah, it was a titty bar there. And it's the, the, one of the nicest ones and the, the coolest ones. That's where his main job was. Then he'd take side jobs on all these little clubs that would open up. And I was the pretty boy. You know, parents had money going to those clubs that he was uh, that he was bouncing in. Yeah. So we became real big friends and and stuff. And then we started. We, then we broke into wrestling together. You know, kind of not together, but at the same time, he yeah. was breaking in. I was just a few months behind him, and I was breaking in. So, um, but yeah, Eric. I mean, but Kevin's who came to me and said, "Hey, do you want to? You know, be you want to be an NWO?" And I went. Are you kidding? 
hell yeah, I do. And he goes, well, get you, get your stuff and come with us, come with me. Mm. So I, I was able to, I grabbed my, my bags and I was, I remember walking with him to the NWO locker room and it was like a big deal. You know, it was like, wow, I, 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 I finally made it, you know? No, it exploded. I mean, oh, it did. It was huge for you. I mean, it really exploded after that. Oh yeah, it really did. It was, um, it it was it really was, um, you know. I had no idea really what was coming with it until I got in there, and then when me and Riggs came out that night. And the the gimmick was they were, you know, saying that if you don't, if you don't, you, know, you got thirty days to join. Then you got thirty days from tonight yeah. to join the NWO. If you don't join, you're gonna be fired. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Well, then all of a sudden here come me and Riggs, you know, and I'm trying to, I'm telling Riggs, no, I'm joining. I'm, I'm and Riggs is trying to talk me out of it. And when I got in that ring, man, with all that talent, seeing Nash and Hall and Bischoff and two, you know, Xbox and all that talent in the ring, you know, I was like, Oh my God, this is where I want to be. This is where this, this is where I want to be. This is where I should be. And this is where, you know, this is where I want to stay, you know? And from that point on, man, it was just, you know, I, I just, I just brought things to it differently than, that I didn't think they, I don't know as much charisma was in that group. Things like the hat, you know, things like putting your name on the back of your shirt. Yeah. You know, or just your face. Huh? You had your face on the one of the jackets or the vest. Or yeah, something. You just, just little things. Man, I, I just came up with the craziest stuff that, that just that worked, you know. I mean, like, look, look at this. I mean, like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was I always mean, so cool. My, my, my mom thought of that. Oh, really? Yeah, she was like, why don't you put your face on top of your head? That'd be cool. And I went, oh, my God, it's a great idea. So, of course, <laughs> I had my guy airbrush my hat and my face on top of my hat, you know. And it just, it just, I don't know, everything I did, it just worked, you know. That, but then again, it wasn't what I did worked. It was just, that's what wrestling was back then. Everything that, that you know, was... Everything you threw out there seemed to work with pro wrestling back then because it was just a wide open field and everybody loved it so much. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, when you got together with Scott Norton after that, and uh, I thought the vicious and delicious thing was brilliant. That was well, brilliant. I, mean, I hate to say it, but I didn't think of it. It was a kid at a, we were in Chicago at a restaurant. And this little kid walked up to us and I looked around and I said, I, 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 I could see somebody hovering over me, kind of. And I looked back and this little kid, he was like, okay, I mean, I can like this. And I said, uh, I said, hey, buddy, what's going on? And he didn't say a word. And I said it again. I go, hey, buddy, what's going on? And he went, vicious and delicious. What? And I went. I gotta be shitting me. I dropped my fork. I went, <laughs> what did you say? Oh, he said, man. vicious. And I literally got a pen out and mm-hmm. wrote down vicious and delicious. And me and Norton went straight home. And as soon as we landed, 
We called the airbrush guide, airbrushed everything we had, vicious and delicious. And it wow. just worked. And the only, the only reason you didn't see a lot more of vicious and delicious was that's why I broke my neck. Yeah. I broke my neck in a vicious and delicious match. It was vicious and delicious versus Lex Luger and Rick Steiner. Mm-hmm. And Rick came off and missed me with a bulldog. And I tried to catch up to him and broke my neck. And um, and then Scott went to Japan. And then before he came back, I had hooked up with uh, Scott Steiner. They put me with Scott Steiner. And then me and Scott had a hell of a run, you know. So, but that's the only reason why it was a short run with me and Norton. It, that that would have been a really long run with that name. That was a, such a great name. That was perfect. Uh, vicious and delicious. I mean, my God, it was great. I can't believe that's and, where it came from. A little kid. A little that's kid amazing. Gave it, I couldn't believe it. I was like, <laughs> what'd you say? He said it again. I went, oh, my God, hold on a second. I, was, uh, I wrote it down. I was like, that's it, man. Thank you. I said, you don't realize this, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, dude. I mean, I'm a songwriter, so that's like right up my alley, right there. And people that watch exactly. and listen to this, yeah, you know, that's 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 the kind of you got to write that down. And that's absolutely, the, I wrote I wrote it down instantly, man. It's great. Uh, you're uh, did you have one person do all the airbrushing on all your stuff? Actually, believe it or not, there's a story behind that. I had a guy that was a huge. Keep in mind. Who did my airbrushing was a part of building Buff Bagwell. I mean, if you're nailing the stuff I'm, I'm a comp- the ideas I'm coming up with, and you're doing a great job doing them on my tights, even though they're my ideas, you're nailing them on the tights and giving the people what they want, which are different, cool, funny. You know, I, I put like a hot chick on one leg and I put my name on the other one or I put a cool car and I, my, my name, my name was always on one leg. And yeah. then the other leg was like a, was like a, like a, something like Batman or something, you know? And, um, but he lost his, um, I, he painted a pair of, I'll never forget. He painted a pair of red tights of mine. And I went out and wrestled in them, brand new pair of tights. And I wrestled Dallas Page. And it was after WCW. Um, we're in Orangeburg, South Carolina. And I wrestled Dallas Page. And I got to the back. And when I got to the back, my tights, all the paint was gone. And it was just red, a red pair of tights again. And I said, what in the hell? And like, you'd almost think it would work anyway. You would you not. When they, when Scott Norton first thought of this idea, I said, Scott, that ain't gonna, I said, I sweat so bad. That ain't gonna last. Well, I was wrong. It worked. Hmm. And, um, and this guy is who created it. And he would bake, he'd bake the paint onto your tights. Hmm. And it just, it, the, the paint would last longer than the tights would. The tights would wear out in the crotch. Wow. Before the paint would wear off. And then, so finally, I, I, I came to him. I said, bro, I said, what happened? I said, he goes, man, he said, they switch, they switch paints on me, and I can't figure out what to do. Long story short, 
the guy that helped create and invent Buff Bagwell, he came to me and said, bro, can't figure it out. I can't, I, I don't know, I can't figure it out. I can't figure out the new, what, what they've done, what they've taken away. They've changed the paints. So I literally had to find a new airbrush guy. Mm. And so two guys, now throughout WCW, it was one guy. And his name was Michael. And it was a black guy named Michael. Then after WCW, it was a guy named Kim. Um, it's called uh, um, uh, air, Airbrush. Kim's air airbrushing cats cat cats airbrushing or something like that but that's who does all my stuff now and he does he does a great job that's who done this hat that's who did this shirt so he mm-hmm. does he does all my latest stuff um but he was not during the wcw run he was it was another guy named michael um but he just lost his mm. swagger his 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 magic step magic touch or whatever it's called he lost it and became, you know, like where he just, I had to change. I had to find somebody else. It's crazy. Wow. I always wondered about that because, uh, you know, everything kind of had a, not a, not a similar look, but like a similar vibe to it. Yeah. And so I always, I, wondered I always, about I always that. like edgy, like, yeah. uh, like you see how this is like real edgy. Yeah. You know, the, the edges, the corners are edgy. Yep. I always liked the way that looked with the edginess of the, I wanted sharp abs yeah. and sharp bees, like razor, like razory. Yeah. You know, and that's where I always went with all my stuff. Not, I went through a little, well, I went through a phase of, of kind of bubble, the bubble look of the bubble B and the bubble U and the bubble F. Yeah. But then it got to where it was, you know, sharp and, yeah. And the sharp B and the sharp U and the sharp F. So I just played with it, man. I had fun. I had fun with it. And they, and I, it, it wasn't all me. Yeah. It was a lot to do with those guys too, telling me, what do you think about this? Or let's yeah. try this. Yeah. So we'd throw something against the walls, see if it stuck. Right. Uh, talking about the night you, you broke your neck, uh, probably a crazy thing to ask, but. Is there anything that you remember? Did you just black out after that, or? Oh no, I remember. I remember everything vividly, completely mm. vividly. It was um, um, the finish of the match was um, um, Rick Steiner comes off with a bulldog, boom, hits me with a bulldog, turns me over to cover me. Scott Steiner comes out, hits Rick in the back with a chair. Rick falls off. He, Scott puts me on top. One, two, three, and W.O. wins. That simple. We've done it a million times. That's what was laid out. Yeah. So, Rick comes off with a bulldog. We're getting ready to go home. So, we call you go home. Mm-hmm. And he comes off with a bulldog. And But when he comes off, he misses me. You can't miss with you can't not hook a guy's head with a bulldog. But keep in mind, you're facing this way, and you got 280 pounds coming off the top rope behind you. So he's got to hook your head when he goes down, or 
or you're you're going to blow it. You're going to mess up. Yeah. Well, he came off and he missed me. So live cameras are rolling. So I try to catch up to it. You know, try to catch up to at least they could say, you know, well, he partially caught him, you know, or yeah, he, you know, he, he partially caught him with a bulldog or anything to save, you know, us not looking stupid. Mm-hmm. And um, the problem was is when he missed me and he hit the mat and I went into him, my head went back real hard. And I was instantly not like stinger not thinking i was pre- you know not thinking i was paralyzed i was 1000% no doubt about it i was paralyzed not like in my head not like i dreamed it up i was paralyzed cuz i've been hurt a bunch of times and this is a feeling that i've never felt before and not to mention to help to boot i couldn't move <laughs> yeah. so I'm literally suffocating in the mat because I can't move because I'm paralyzed. And Rick goes to turn me over to, to, to cover me. And when he turns me and gets me right here, my mouth, I go, I'm paralyzed when our eyes met. And Rick, Rick's like, oh, my God. But what do we do? There's live cameras rolling. We had already made wrestling real again, bro. It was real again. And here we can't can't all of a sudden break, yeah. You know, break you know kayfabe and and, and act like we're everybody's okay. Yeah. So I'm. If you watch it back, you see me just. I'm. I'm talking. I mean, I'm. I'm yelling a million miles an hour, dude. I'm like, I'm hurt. I'm hurt. Don't touch me. I'm paralyzed. You can just from the corner to the right. It'd be like if I'm on my back, the the, the camera that's right there. It's just right on me. You can see me just going. I'm just going 100 miles an hour because like I'm trying. I'm trying to tell everybody that I'm hurt and not to touch me. And so he, uh, um, so what happened is is when I was saying all that, Rick covers me. Scott hits him with his chair. Rick just throws himself off of me. And Scotty's just going to get my arm and put my arm on top of Rick. One, two, three, the bad guys win. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's simple. Well, he does that. Hits him with a chair. Rick falls off. My arm goes on Rick's chest. And my arm goes. Mm. I'm paralyzed. Yeah. It, it ain't staying there. I can't control it. It's like, uh. Mm. So I'm, I'm like, you know, Marlon just goes back. Well, now there's two guys laying on their backs, and the and the referee goes one, two, three, and we're like, well, what the hell do we do now? You know, who won? Who did? And I, I keep in mind, I could care less who won. I'm paralyzed, <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, oh my god, my life's over. And and believe it or not, though it was so surreal, I didn't cry, I didn't get upset. Um, it just was just, it was just real. It was just, it was a fact. It was just no, um, 
there was no real feeling about it except the fact was I was paralyzed. And I mean, Scott Norton's crying, Lex is crying, Steiner's crying, and we're trying to try to play it off, but everybody's upset. And here I am, I'm going like, look, man, in that 10-minute period, I've been totally paralyzed for 10 minutes. I went from being extremely depressed to Christopher Reeves was still alive. Hmm. And I said, you know, I can go to schools and I can talk to schools. And I made a negative. I already made a negative into a positive in that short 10 minute frame. Mm. And it, believe me, that's a short 10 minutes when you go from, you know, being totally paralyzed to making it a positive situation out of it. And um, so sometime in that 10 minutes, the trainer goes, his name was Danny, and he was our trainer. And he goes, uh, your hand's moving, Buff. And I couldn't, like, raise my head up and look. All I could do is go. Cause I was at, I was three, four, which is about right here down. So I can move my head, but that's about it. Yeah. One, two is your breathing. So I'm at three, four, which is just right below breathing, which means about right here. And so right here down, I was paralyzed. And so I look and I can see my hand starting to move a little bit. And, um, and I thought, oh, my God. And all of a sudden, it came up, and it stopped right here. Just my arm came back. But not not fully, but just it was kind of back. Yeah. And then this arm came back and stopped right here. Hmm. And then this leg, and it stopped. And then this leg, and it stopped. And when it comes back from commercial break, if you watch, when it comes back from commercial break, you see me go like this. I go, I'm laying on my back and I'm trying to, you see me, I'm trying to like, okay, like kick out. Like, come on, man, kick out, kick out, you know. I'm doing that kind of look on my face. I'm kind of nodding my head and trying to get moving. And I got this, I go. Now, if I didn't tell you that, you'd never know it. But if you watch it and you see me do this, I'm feeling if I can feel my core. Mm. And I can't, mm, 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 mm. I couldn't feel it. So at, by that stage, I'm taped down, you know, tape over the forehead on the board, all taped down and stuff. So though, you know, there wasn't no, um, you know, there wasn't no, and they, wasn't, they, they don't answer you when you ask questions about your neck being broke, they don't answer you. I was like, you know, hey, uh, what? Uh, I said, guys, tell me, am I, am I paralyzed? I can move my fingers and my toes. Am I paralyzed? And they won't answer you because they don't know. They don't want to give you some false information, you know. Yeah. So nobody would answer me. I finally cussed them. I finally said, look, man, what the hell? Tell me. And a guy whispered in my ear. He goes, we're not allowed to say, he said, because we don't know. We're not doctors. He goes, and we don't want to tell you something that may be wrong information. So it made sense. So I had to wait two hours oh. and two hours late, two hours later, the daughter comes in the room. He goes, sit up. And I said, what? 
So it was like God took my life totally away from me. And then God totally gave it back to me. It was weird. And, and then, of course, as I'm sitting up and I'm moving my arms and everything, where I couldn't move anything before, I said, what happened? And he goes, medically, you bruised your spinal cord. So a cervical disc shot and hit my spinal cord. Mm. Well, when it did, thank God it didn't sever it. It just hit it. Okay. And when it hit it, it swells. Mm. And when it swells, you think, 100% you think you're paralyzed. But the swelling goes down, and then you can move again. And that's medically what happened to me, is I bruised, even though it still broke my neck at three, four, and six, seven. What happened to my spinal cord was it bruised my spinal cord. Wow. That's crazy, I know, dude. But that's, that's and I, I was back in the ring in 10 months. The- and I mean, back in the ring, like ripped and shredded and back oh, yeah. in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> I was ready to go again, you know. But uh, it was, it was, it was, it wasn't easy as I thought. I thought it'd be easy to get right back in the ring, no problem. But I went down to the school and had Eric. Watts like just pit me to slam me, and I said pit me to slam me, and he, and he pit, pit me up, and I go no no put me down put me down put me down put me down put me down, and I said oh come on just slam just slam me, he reached to slam me again, I go put me down put me down put me down, mm-hmm. and and so finally he pulled a blue pad in there, a thick pretty thick pad, and we just started with some rolls, just me rolling on the pad yeah. And within five minutes, I was tackled, dropped down, leapfrogging, drop kicking, hip tossing. It just it just took a few minutes to get going, but that was fine. God, man, that... it was crazy. It was a crazy, crazy ride, bro. And I just had bought. I paid eighty eight thousand dollars for my lot that day to my my mansion i built <laughs> that day oh i paid i, I wrote day. the check for it i wrote the check for 88 grand got, got in my eighty five thousand dollars jaguar and drove to columbia south carolina and i'm thinking how am i gonna pay for that check god what am i gonna do about that oh man that <laughs> yeah, day it was, it was not it was crazy and then I'll say I had thoughts about my motorcycle, not being able to ride my motorcycle no more and mm. all that, you know. That, it was a trip. It was a ride, bro. It was a trip. That that I was that's what I was gonna say too, you know. You were I mean, as big as ever during that time. Oh yeah. yeah. Well that was my thing is my big thing with God is I'm a big not saying why. Yeah. I don't ever ask God why. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anybody should, because if you get into whys with God, you're getting into territories you shouldn't be in. I mean, why, why is my kid retarded and your kid isn't? Why is my kid an athlete and your kids isn't? Why is my kid good looking and your kids isn't? Why is, why is bad? I agree. But when you get paralyzed, on live TV in the height 
of pro wrestling history at the height of your character being Buff Bagwell, you badly want to say why. Yeah. But I came up with another way to say it instead of why. And I said, is this really the plan you had for me? Mm. To be able to be paralyzed on national TV in the height of pro wrestling, is this really the plan you had for me? And, you know, of course, I didn't hear no voice come back. But that's the only thing I could think of to ask him is not without saying why. I badly wanted to say why, but instead it came out like, is this really the plan you had? You know? Yeah. And obviously it wasn't because I made it back. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I'm the same way, dude. I I feel like we're not supposed to know why everything happens. Right. Yeah, the why why is a bad one. Why is bad? I mean, now for for people that don't know, your contract at that time, you was you getting paid on your appearances or was it guaranteed to sit home for ten months while you're hurt? No, we had um we had um me and Eric Bischoff had handshook on my next contract. Oh my God. And and so I'm in the hospital and Eric Bischoff calls me. And he goes, hey, um, I don't think you are. He goes, but I don't want you to be worried about your contract. I go, wow. whoa, whoa, whoa. For starters, what do you mean you don't think I am? I'm scared to death. I said, we got a handshook deal, and now I'm paralyzed, and I got, I'm, in, I'm not on paper nowhere. And... Um, mm. He said, he says, well, he said, he said, Buff, he goes, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to hire you no matter what. You're Buff Bagwell. We, we can use you for a manager. We can do all kinds of stuff with you. And I said, well, he goes, hell, I'll, I'll send the contract to your, the hospital right now if you want me to. And I said, I'd really feel good about that. Damn so right. that's back to, that's back in the days of courier. They would cur- courier things. Yeah. Yeah. So they couriered my contract to Kennestone Hospital mm. and I turned I turned the contract this thing of a, of a of a contract to the very back page which just showed the money and I signed it and dated it and I gave it to my mom and I said get that back to him as soon as you can and, and that way at least I knew I had three more years of a contract it was you know like 1.9, 1.9 mil. That's yeah. So he stuck by, by his deal and, and gave me what I needed. You know, that goes to speak volumes about Eric Bischoff right there. That's why I'm, that's why I'm a big fan of Eric. You know, man, so many people could have just took advantage of that situation. Said hell sure. with this guy. You know, we saved some money. Yeah, they could have easily. Do you, was there, when you came back, do you remember like being scared that you're going to hurt your neck again or that oh, you're going to be paralyzed? I was, petrified. I, was, I was petrified. I mean, keep, my first match back was against Goldberg and Rick Steiner. Oh, that's right. That was my first match back. A guy that wants to break my neck and a guy that already did. <laughs> Damn, like, I didn't even think about I'm that. Like, talk about throwing me right back to the wolves. <laughs> 
Wow. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, man. God. So I, I'm in there with Goldberg. It's just a loose cannon. Yeah. And and then Rick Snyder, which, which broke my neck in the first place. So, yeah, it was, it was, I was, I was, uh, I had to be honest with you, I was more nervous about working out. Like, believe it or not, doing shrugs mm-hmm. was the weirdest thing to me. Oh, I, I bet. Because you're moving your neck. Yeah. Where you're were were once broken, paralyzed, and keep in mind when they go through the front and they move your windpipe to the side mm. and they bolt your back then they didn't have cadaver, so they bolt your hip at three four with a plate and two screws, four screws, and down at six seven another plate. And four more screws. So I had two plates and eight screws at three, four, and six, seven. Then they get your windpipe and put it back over where it's supposed to be. And they sew you up. Mm. <laughs> Brother, it don't get no more real than that. <laughs> no. God. So it was it, it 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 plays a head trip on me, you know. But working out, I think, was more weird than wrestling. Like you know, coming down with coming down with you know a bench press, and 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 and, and, and thinking my neck is my neck okay or not, you know. Yeah. But I couldn't train for three. I lost fifty pounds. I couldn't train for three months. Um, he didn't want me to do any kind of any kind of any kind of nothing for three months. So three three months in one day, bro, I hit the ground running. Yeah, you but were... he begged me. He said, Mark, I can't tell you how important three months is. You've got to let it fuse. You've got to let it fuse all the way. Dude, when you came back, you were bigger than ever, I think. I mean, I, I think so too. I, that's when, you know, I, I can't, well, you also got to realize I came back as Scotty's manager and was ripped and shredded and yeah. blue jeans. And, and I really found my character, my buff character, even more. So, then when I was able to put the tights on, I was really buff, you know? Yeah. And so talking in the camera and doing all that and just getting more and more out there, more and more funny yeah. and more and more entertaining, you know, finding my character. So I was definitely better when I came back, I think. Yeah, you, I agree a hundred percent. And, uh, uh, was it hard to work with Scott Steiner like ever? Uh, both signers were, were pretty tough, uh, but because uh, they just didn't realize they didn't realize how strong they were. Mm-hmm. They were such they were such such freaks. Yeah, man, they they both were such you know genetic freaks that they were just strong and 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 tough, and, and they'd walk by you like and say, "Hey, man, what's going on?" And not realize they're like, "I was like, Rick, come <laughs> on, man, what the hell." He said, "What? Well, I just said what's going on, but he didn't realize how strong he was, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So every match was, they're going after Bagwell's neck, you know? And I finally had to come to Eric and say, Eric, we've got to drop the neck thing. The neck thing's done. We've yeah. used it. It's over. Let's, let's get off of it. Because even with Rick Steiner grabs your neck and is just working, He's not trying to really kill you, but he's got your neck. 
that's still Rick Steiner that has your neck. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's not gentle. <laughs> so it's like, we got to get them off the neck thing, man. Just get, get everybody off of it. I, I thought it was cool whenever you and, and Scott started working together. Like when he had oh, turned yeah, NWO. We had a lot, we had a lot of we yeah. had a lot of good stuff, man. Yeah. And y'all were it, it seemed like they were trying to play up the thing where, you know, like who's showing off more, you know, because y'all both had the bodies and everything. Yeah, we had the like, best two bodies in the business, bro. Oh yeah, for sure. We had the best two bodies in the business. And I, mean, I I didn't look nowhere near as good as Scotty did, but but there ain't a lot of guys that can walk out with Scotty. You know, I was able to at least walk exactly. out with him, you know. Exactly. And uh so um, you know, you know, I even remember the interview we had in Cincinnati when we were act- we actually were mad at each other because the boys had kind of started up between me kind of getting close to him in the body wise and it kind of pissed him off at me. And he goes, um and, and he, he said something to me. I tossed him the match at uh, with Booker T. I mean, uh, I did. I went to hit Booker. I went to hit uh, Booker T. And Booker T. dunked. I hit Scotty, and it cost Scotty the, the win for the U.S. title. And and uh, he said, uh, um, he goes, you know, he goes, maybe, he goes, maybe you don't belong anymore. And I said, I said, you know, I said. I said, ever since I've got back into shape, I said, it seems like Scotty is just a little bit jealous. Mm-hmm. And just like that, that bastard came back. He goes, no matter how great you look, you will always be second best. I remember that. <laughs> it was great. I was like, damn, I thought I had him. And he came back with a better line. <laughs> But they, that was, he, he was actually kind of pissed off because they, everybody was trying to get y'all backstage. Oh, bro, he was. We, we, we didn't, we didn't talk. We didn't talk three weeks up to that interview, and we didn't talk for the next four weeks. Mm. And I had to walk up to him at the pay per view we were main event at Sambourie, and I had to say, "Do I need to defend myself?" He's mm. getting his ankles taped. Keep in mind, we're getting ready to go on live TV. And I go, Scotty, do you got a minute? And he goes, yeah. I said, what? we ain't talked in a month. And he goes, I, goes, uh, I go, do I need to defend myself? And he took about a minute. And a minute is a long time with that question. And he went, no. And I went, okay. And I was really like, <laughs> thank god i ain't got to defend myself <laughs> not sure i could have i wanted to because <laughs> he's just such a badass man you know oh man he he he's kind of got a reputation of uh from you know everybody you talk to pretty much that something's happened with him or he's got pissed off at somebody i mean for oh real, yeah you know? dude when I, when I managed him man it was a real i was a real manager I mean, it was like Really trying to keep him from killing people, you know, and stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, do you remember anything about the very last Nitro? Oh, God, yeah. Um, we, um, all the guys that were late show, were showing up late, of course, which is me, Lex, Goldberg, Nash, Hall, 
Luger, Sting, and we are, we're all showing up. Some of us riding together, some of us not. And all of a sudden, I think it was me. And I went, oh, my God, look. And it was WWF semis. And we were like, what in the hell? So nobody said a word in that group of talent there. Everybody just kind of split off into their own areas and went to um, their own people. Like I went to my people that I talked to. Scotty went to his people, legs, everybody. But it wasn't but a few minutes that went by. And they go, uh, Shane McMahon's got a meeting in this room and, you know, in five minutes. Mm. So always, I, I remember like seeing, you know, people crying and people taking pictures with Ric Flair and the belt and, you know, people taking pictures with the four horsemen. And, and it was just kind of like a, I don't know, like it was like the ending of an era, you know? Yeah, and, and I, I could see it. It was all happening right in front of my eyes. And then Shane walked in, and Shane had about a two-minute-long meeting. He said, "We own the company now." He said, um, "We uh, we own WCW." He said, "We're going to keep some wrestlers. We're going to fire some wrestlers." He said, "We're going to keep some referees. We're going to fire some referees. We're going to keep some talent." in the office and we're going to fire some talent in the office. He said, good luck. And, you know, good luck to everybody. And about half the people went like a like golf clap. Golf clap. Yeah. You know, and I, I looked over at Luger. I, I was golf clapping. I looked over at Luger and Luger's going. So I went, <laughs> <laughs> I do it. We were, t- we were tag team champions. I wasn't going to do what he wasn't going to do. <laughs> so I was like, well, I guess I'll, um, I guess I'll stand here like Lex is. <laughs> so this ain't his first talk he's heard before. Oh man. That was the end of an era. You said it just right. I mean, was- Oh man, it was, it was crazy, dude. And, and like I said, what, what Vince could have done with it. Oh, so big, man, that, that's one of my biggest things. You know, I, I, I wish that he would have done something with it. It was so, it was still, people still watched it, man. I mean, it was, you know, and the know. thing with y'all in the, the raw main event that I didn't understand one, but I still don't understand it one bit. The only thing that makes sense to me is he's just like, aha, now this you're on my, you know, that's the only yeah. thing that makes any sense to me. Do you know? Do you know where the next week after me and Booker's match was? Uh, was it Atlanta? See that? I mean, so so my question. Forget everything you just said. Even yeah, your question is: You're Vince McMahon, and you're going to put on the first match of what you're calling the invasion. Mm-hmm. And you're doing that in Tacoma, Washington, 5,000 miles away from Ted Turner. Or you can just wait seven days and you are in Ted Turner's backyard 
with Booker T and Bud Bagwell, Phil Trina, and the roof come off the place. Instead, we got booed out of the building in Tacoma, Washington. So we knew something was up right there. We just didn't know. We just didn't know what. But it was. We knew a week before y'all knew that it was over. That it yeah. was over. <laughs> oh man! I mean, it 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 could have been. It could have been so cool. It could have been so big. I know. But I, I get it. You know, he didn't. He no. didn't. He didn't want it to be. He didn't want it. He just he felt like that he was better than us and wanted to everybody to see that that they were better that they you know were the better ones and and so he did it. How, how do you like acting? I know you've done some acting jobs. You got into some of that. How do you like acting? Um, I, I like it a lot. Um, but the best the best actors is The Rock. The Rock is like. The Rock is like an actor that happened to wrestle. The rest of us were wrestlers that tried to act. Mm -hmm. The Rock is a natural, man. He's a true blue, I mean, you know, figure, I mean, just a great actor, period. And so that to me, is what made him the best, and and he just he just he just became the best because of that. But you know, it wasn't like he was you know he was a great wrestler also, but he was a he was a natural actor. When you could see us when we acted, it was like we were not really good actors. We were we were pro wrestlers trying to act, where The Rock was like an actor dude he was really a great actor so he's he was he, he the role i mean you know he's the one that made it he's the one that really deserved to get what he got and and he made it and he was the best one of all for doing it well i know you've been in a movie with my buddy john schneider oh yeah so uh i, I imagine you had some you probably grew up watching the dukes of hazard dukes of hazard baby Every Friday night, eight o'clock. Yeah, trying to hood slide like Bo and Luke. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, we tried it all the time on our cars. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a he's an awesome guy, man. He's a, oh, Snyder's the best. Dude. He's great. Yeah, I've done I've done two or three movies with him. He's been great. He's been great in all of them. He, he's such a good teacher too. He teaches you how to little things you wouldn't think of, like. You know, when you look at actors and you see them looking eye to eye, their eyes go back and forth because you don't know which eye to look at. Mm. He taught me how to pick one eye and look at one eye when you're talking to somebody. And that keeps your eyes from going. Because mm. you go back and forth with your eyes. Yeah. But unless you focus on one eye, then you look at that one eye and you talk into that one eye, and it makes your lines, everything, so much better. So he's such a great teacher and all that. He was great at that. He was great. And I love when you brought your mom in. I, I thought that was genius. I mean, I know that the, you know, the <laughs> the forklift, and <laughs> 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 that's what it is, man. But she, I'm just talking about her. 
She was a natural. She was a trip. Man. She was great. She was so good. You know whose idea that was? Huh? You know whose idea that was? Uh. Rick Steiner. <laughs> wow. Rick Steiner's who came up with that whole idea. Now, not the forklift thing. That was WCW writers and yeah. once mom had been there a while and the writing team and all that stuff. But just bringing her out in Columbia where I broke my neck and she came out to dog get mad at me for being, you know, I was a heel. And she was getting mad at me for being a heel to the crowd and all that stuff. And uh, so it just, it just was, it just was, um, it was great. And uh, Rick, 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 uh, Rick, came, Rick called me with it. And I thought, I said, that's a great idea. It's a great idea. Let's do it. So we did it. I would have never guessed it was Rick Steiner's idea. Rick Steiner, dude. Rick Steiner. Oh, yeah. She's worked around all those 200 and something men at the lumber. I mean, that's, she was a oh, natural. She was, oh, she fit right in. Like, like, she didn't dress. She didn't dress with the damn um, the nitro girl, she dressed in the guy's locker room with us. <laughs> yeah. She didn't give a shit. She, she was like, she was, she was like everybody's mom. You know? Yeah. Yeah. She didn't give a shit. She didn't, she didn't want to dress all those damn little, you know, chicks that thought they were little, you know, prissy girls. They, she was like, she was, she raised three badass boys and four counting my daddy and, and ran a lumber company. And she was, she was into that, you know, tough, you know, like if one of our wives came to my mom and said, you know, you know, Mark hit me or Steve hit me or John hit me. My mom's first take would be, well, what did you do? Uh, what'd you, what'd you, what'd you do first? Hmm. He goes, she goes, I'm not saying he didn't do it, but I know he just didn't do it for no reason. So what, what, what'd you do? And they were, they'd be like, What? And she goes, what'd you do? And by sure enough, there'd be a story of what, you know, that it was two sides of the story, you know? Yeah. Well, she was even great, man. Even though you're never supposed to do that, she knew there was more to it than just Mark hit somebody or Steve hit somebody or John hit somebody, you know, it was like, yeah. Well, what did you do? What did you do to cause it? <laughs> man, she was probably a trip. I imagine. She was dude. She uh, was. You ever have any, uh, any brushes with people from the music world? No, not really. Not a lot. Not a lot with that. Just but John, you know, with, with John, you know, John Snyder's about it. He is a lot, you know, with, with a lot of stuff with him and not knowing how big he really was in the music industry, you know? Oh yeah. He had number ones back in the eighties and nobody knew, nobody knows that, you know, nobody no. talked about that. Nobody really knows that, you know? No, they really don't. But he, he was nope. a great singer too. He recorded about three or four yeah. of my songs and uh went to the Opry with him, him and Alicia and you know, they're just good good people. They are uh, good people. They are good people. Uh not a lot of people from that uh time and that position and that 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 was he was such a big star back then. Uh you don't see a lot of that carrying over, you know, that humbleness and trying to help people like him, he, him and Alicia has carried that over. I really believe that. Oh yeah. I do too. I do too. Well, man, yeah, they're, they're really good people, man. They are. Oh, uh, I'll let you, we'll let you get off here. And well, buddy, I really appreciate it, man. You're a great guy. I love that intro. 
goes oh, down yeah. the best intro ever. <laughs> <laughs> People really liked uh, that, man. Dude, I, I'm telling you, that's off the chain. That's really cool. I appreciate you doing that. It's been good talking to you. Absolutely, man. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm getting hungry, so I'm going to grab something to eat. But yeah. I really appreciate your time and yeah, having fun and, and talking, talking about some old stuff and, yes, and just having a lot of fun. And uh, glad you're doing good again. I appreciate it. And I, I know you will continue to do good. I appreciate that, brother. I appreciate y'all tuning once again into Picking It Out. Our guest has been Buff Daddy himself, Buff Bagwell, and we'll see you next time.